Welcome everybody to the Pierce Point Podcast. This podcast is designed to be a thought-provoking journey through the scriptures. Every weekday, my friend and fellow pastor Barney Estes and I walk through the Word of God verse by verse. As always, we'd love to know your thoughts about today's episode. You can hit us up at Pierce Point Church on Facebook or Instagram. We hope you enjoy today's episode. So as we continue in uh, Luke chapter 23, we're going to wrap out with these these final uh, verses, uh, specifically dealing with Jesus's burial and a, and a man named Joseph. And then we're going to roll into chapter 24, dealing with the resurrection. Most likely, all we'll get to in this. But uh, as we go through it, we're just going to, we're going to continue to uh, chime in verse by verse as we go. So what what stands out to you, sir? Well, I think these this next few verses are uh, are uh, a time when the disciples and the friends and all those that had just seen Jesus be crucified on a cross, and they're doing the very somber task of uh, he's 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 passed he's he's died. And the somber task of dealing with the body and all of the different things that had to happen there. So, it's a very uh, somber mood, I'm sure, at this time for those yeah. folks. Absolutely. So, uh, as we as we remember from yesterday's podcast, we were dealing with uh, the two thieves on the cross and how all that uh, played together. Uh, we rolled into um, Jesus giving up. Uh, his his life at the end, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He breathes his last, and and as we remember the the scene of the cross, we're 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 seeing two different people groups and their reactions. In in one respect, we have people returning, beating their breasts, and there's there's uh, some conjecture on what what that's all about. But we have Jesus's acquaintances and the women who had accompanied him from Galilee. They were standing at a distance, seeing all these things, and and we can see their, we can understand their grief and what is happening here. Right there's there's mm-hmm. some real tragedy that has taken place here. So then uh, the scene just kind of breaks, and we've got verse fifty and a man named Joseph. And I think that this is a fascinating thing because other otherwise, uh, other than this, we know nothing of this guy. We just, we don't hear anything about him. But what we know is that his name is recorded and referred to in all four gospels. Yes. This is a really impressive piece of the story that every one of the gospel writers refers to. Mark mm-hmm. refers to it. Matthew refers to it. John refers to it. And, and as we're seeing here, Luke records this man named Joseph. And he was no you know, he was, he wasn't a nobody. He was a member of the council, a good and righteous man. I love that descriptor. It's used often. Zacharias, we've got Elizabeth, we've got, uh, we've got Simeon, we've got, uh, Anna, the prophetess. I mean, all these people referred to as, uh, righteous and good people. Mm -hmm. It seems to be that this man would have been a member of the Sanhedrin. Mm -hmm. He would have been a, 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 this is a, a high-ranking member, and we're going to see here in just a moment that he was not only a high-ranking member, he was also a, a, a fairly well-off man. And I love that verse 51 said he had not consented to their plan of action. He's talking about the, the, 
the Sanhedrin that he's a part of, he had not consented to that. So if we think back and we think about all of the things that we've read, we don't see anyone in that group stand up and say, wait a minute, guys, wait a second. This isn't right. We shouldn't be doing this. And we hear about this after Jesus has died on the cross, that this man actually had made, at some point, it seems to be, had made his uh, his uh, thoughts known that because he hadn't consented to their plan and action. And it says 51 is an, is an amazing, he was, he, he was, he was from Arimathea, a city of the Jews who was, and he was a man who was waiting for the kingdom of God. That's an, that is, that's another amazing descriptor of a man who is obviously looking for the Messiah and has recognized him. Yeah. It would be truly amazing, uh, had we, you know, historical record of this man playing out in the early life of the church, but this is all we hear of him and he disappears, but you've, you've captured some really important elements of this story. And that is number one, he was the dissenter. He, he didn't agree with the council that they, uh, that, that had agreed to this action. Remember that as people are vehemently screaming, crucify him and demanding that Pilate do something for them. This man, according to verse 51, was never a part of it. Mm-hmm. He was, he was there probably. He was, he was most likely offering his protest of some kind, but nobody's listening mm-hmm. to this man. So you have Joseph of Arimathea. That's how we often refer to him. He's a member of the council. His status is that he's a good and a righteous man. His desire was for the kingdom of God to come, right? He is, again, waiting for the kingdom of God. He is not consenting to the plan of action that led to the crucifixion of Jesus, which then paints that really important picture that not everybody wanted Jesus crucified. We've got this weird caricature that every human being wanted Jesus crucified. And that's a strange thing due to the fact that his own followers clearly wouldn't have wanted him crucified. But these Jewish elite did, with the exception of Joseph of Arimathea. And then verse uh, 52 says that this man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Now, why he's doing that uh, is an interesting idea here. It, it is, um, well, let, let's just let it play out here. He says, he asked for the body of Jesus and he took it down and wrapped him in linen cloth and laid him in a tomb cut into the rock where no one had ever lain. So that's a unique piece there. It was the preparation day and the Sabbath was about to begin. So Mm -hmm. it would seem that what this man is doing is following standard Jewish protocol. He doesn't want this man who he didn't even approve of his death hanging there through the Sabbath. He wants him to come down. Some have read into that, that he, you know, he cared for Jesus or something like this. I don't think we have any... I don't think we have any uh, express proof of that, Mm -hmm. but what we do know is that if he is a good, faithful, God-fearing man, he wants to follow God's ways, and that was Mm -hmm. to take this body down uh, because the Sabbath was about Mm -hmm. to begin. Yes, he did something that would have probably, uh, may have surprised Pilate, and, and because customarily these 
the uh, bodies of a crucified criminal were left on the crosses, either yes. just to rot or to be eaten by animals. But, uh, but the, I, I think you're right in that uh, Joseph didn't, didn't want anything like that to be displayed during the Passover season. Uh, uh, so, And then the Romans were also known, history will record that they were also known to grant the corpses to friends or relatives for proper burial if they asked for, for them. Now, if they had been uh, someone who was a traitor to Rome and they tried to, uh, they were uh, uh, accused or killed for being a traitor against Rome, they typically would not give them the body. Yeah. They, would, they would let them hang there because they wanted to make a statement, this is what happens to those that go up against Rome. So while we, we, we don't see that, that Joseph made a, an outward prof- profession of his uh, faith, if you will, in Christ, he was a godly man. And, and the fact that he... That he and he's doing this, and uh, that he's following the Jewish protocol for the Passover and for a body says a lot about him. Yes, absolutely. I think uh, I think there can be more that we could talk about with regard to it being Sabbath and and it being Passover season and all of these things. One thing we don't read is that Joseph goes and he wants all three bodies removed, mm-hmm. meaning the two thieves. We actually don't even know that they have uh, given up the ghost, as it would, uh, as it were, uh, in this moment here. But what we do know is that Jesus had Joseph once Jesus. Uh, Joseph, being a part of the Sanhedrin, might have given him greater clout with with uh, Pilate that maybe yeah. he had his ear or some some idea like this. Uh, however, based on what we remember from the story. Pilate didn't have a uh, an unfavorable view of Jesus necessarily, so it could have been that his even his followers would have had the ability to say, "Can we take his body down?" And he he may have granted that. But what we do know is that the history records that Joseph is the one who did it, and he takes him down and he lays him in this uh, tomb cut into the rock where no one had ever lain. I mean, there's, there's something interesting uh, inside of all that. I'd mm-hmm. love to, mm-hmm. I'd love to kind of banter back and forth on yeah, that one. I, I think it's, I, I think it is interesting that, uh, that that's pointed out. This seemed to be, uh, they, they were, he, uh, Joseph was running out of time. Passover was, coming soon and he had he only had a limited amount of time to get all this done so we'll we will see that he actually did what he could in the time that he had to do it because we'll see that later the women come and to properly eat, to add more spices to the body and and we'll talk about that when we get there but so he he was in a bit of a hurry if you will but then this this tomb who uh, the, only the very wealthy would have had a tomb that was cut into the rock that would not have been a, a common tomb for uh, someone who was not right. had uh, well to do or means yeah. to be able to afford a tomb that's cut into the rock. But it it, it notes where no one had ever lain, yes. and that's a that's a very interesting. So note. now now what we have to do is piece all of this craziness together with the rest of the gospel accounts. In Matthew 27, verse 60, we learn that the wealthy 
man who to whom this tomb belonged was Joseph himself. Okay, so so now when we piece all these these components together, what we see is that Joseph was a part of the Sanhedrin. He was a wealthy part of the Sanhedrin, uh, which kind of goes without saying. He's he's wealthy. He is doing this in a hurry. He is he's you know he's kind of uh, doing what he can. And the reason why nobody had lain in this tomb was because this was this tomb was actually set aside for Joseph. Now this is in keeping with standard Jewish custom that Jews believed and still do believe that you should bury the dead. It is not a cremation society. It is not a you know any of those things. It is that you should bury the dead, and so. He has his tomb set aside and he gives that. And I think that, you know, that, that just speaks volumes to, mm-hmm. uh, to not expressly, but it's, it seems to speak volumes to the view that this man had of Jesus. I, I have to assume that his heart was moved quite like that centurion when the sky grows dark and the earth shakes and the veil is torn and there is a revelation that happens in this moment that says, this truly is the son of God. Mm-hmm. This, mm-hmm. this is, he, he's, we just killed the Lord of glory. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we've, we've just put him on a cross. And that is, a, I think, a powerful revelation that it would appear that maybe Joseph had. Yeah, it, it, it seems that Luke is noting here a lot of, de- of uh, detail as, as is usual with Luke, he talks about in verse in verse fifty four. He says it was the preparation day, and the Sabbath was about to begin. So there was a sense of urgency to get this done. And then in fifty five, he says, "Now the women who had come with him out of Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body would lay was laid." So, so these women had had come with Joseph. And I, I suspect that they may have been helping him and wanting to make sure that everything was, uh, was was okay. And I, I, I see that that they were, they had a plan, uh, to return. As we're going to see in verse fifty six, it says, "Then they returned to where, to their homes, and 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 prepared spices and perfumes. And on the Sabbath they rested according to the commandment. So they, so they go with Joseph to the tomb." They saw where the body was laid, and then they come home and prepare the spices and everything, knowing that they're not going to be able to do anything until after the Sabbath. Right. And uh, so that's where that piece of the story ends up, and they rested according to the commandment, it says. Yes, absolutely. So so we have these women who are uh, preparing Jesus' body. We see in... Uh, other gospels, including including this one, but w- when we piece them all together, we've got Mary Magdalene, we've got a woman named Joanna, we've got Susanna, we've got Mary, and we've got the mother of James. All of this, you know, being put together. Um, so it's just all of this is keeping with standard tradition. Mm-hmm. They are they are preparing the body, preparing the spices and the perfumes, and then, like you said, at the end of verse fifty six, and on the Sabbath they rested according to the commandment. Just before that, we read that it was preparation day, and so this would have been somewhere you know Friday afternoon or something, and so they're they're working to get this thing all taken care of uh, before Sabbath. So. When we see these women resting, when we see the disciples resting, 
it is really important to keep the Jewish framework in our minds that they were observing Sabbath. This is what they did. We might look at this story and say that our our hero has come to an end and, and we're distraught and beside ourselves, but why would we not be you know, sitting at the tomb day after day, just mourning and weeping and calling out. Well, they're Jewish and they are resting on the Sabbath day. And there were, there were pretty strict rules and additional rules that had been added to this. And they were observing those mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. as well as grieving. I mean, that, that is very clear in the story. Mm-hmm. We, we, we read, uh, we, we, we read about these women and, uh, the one, that that always amazes me is the the Joanna who was who was the wife of one of the officials. I I I think I'm thinking one of the uh, governors, maybe a Chusa, I believe was was who she was the wife of, and we we learned a little bit about her that she had become a a believer in, in Christ, and she she had remained a believer up right to 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 the death, and and you and we'll see that she is involved. At every point, it seems to be when it talks about these women that she has remained faithful, and uh, so have the rest of these women. So that's pretty amazing. Absolutely. So we draw chapter 23 to a conclusion that Jesus has been buried, and he's been buried properly. Uh, he has been he has been treated uh, with the spices and perfumes and all of this according to the customs and then the Sabbath day they're resting. So we roll from that into chapter twenty four and verse one, which uh, in in the NASB is is often um, just kind of highlighted. This section of the scriptures highlighted as the resurrection. So verse one says, but on the first day of the week at early dawn, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing. And no, they they weren't wearing Calvin Klein. It was just, you know, it's obviously angelic. Anyway, so verse 5, And as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? And I love that rendering of this in verse 5. Why do you seek the living one among the dead? Some translations and some uh, gospel accounts would would record it. Why do you seek the living among the dead? But the living one uh, paints a very vivid picture here. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then the angel says, uh, he is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee. And we're going to, we're going to continue on with this, but let's, let's walk through this right off the bat. Sure. I think they, they, these women uh, recognized that, that Joseph had had done as much as he could with the time that he had to prepare the body. So this this whole thing included these uh, spices because they would they would uh, come in and put spices around the body to keep the odor down when the body started to de- to decay. Because many times, once they did that, they would leave that body there until it completely decayed. And then they would take the bones and they would move them and put them, uh, you know, around into a different area because sometimes they would use the same tomb uh, for more than one person within that family. So here they are, they, they, they've come to, to uh, do, do a little uh, more with the spices uh, 
that they had prepared, and they come and find this this stone rolled away. Now, this 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 stone was not a uh, a small stone. It, it was not a stone that 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 any of them would have been able to have have rolled away. And keeping in mind that in 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 the parallel scriptures with this, we know that there was a guard, a, a Roman soldiers that there were Roman soldiers that were guarding the tomb, and there had been a seal placed on this stone. It, it, it had been a seal of. And this seal would have been a clay seal that the Romans used, imprinted with some with the crest or the Roman imperial seal, and and if anyone had taken that seal off, they would have incurred the wrath of the empire of, of the Roman Empire. They knew that once it was sealed, it was not to be removed. Only by them, only by, only by the permission of the of the of the authority that had placed it, and that was the Roman Empire. Yeah, absolutely. In uh, verse 1, it is amazing when it starts off with this line, but on the first day of the week at early dawn, and we can we can skim past that quite quickly if we're not careful and just say, okay, great detail, whatever. But what is really fun is, of course, this being Resurrection Day, he is risen, he is not in the tomb, and shortly from this point, the first day of the week will replace the Sabbath, it would appear, mm-hmm. as the main day of worship for the church. Now, my uh, statement there is is something that requires a great deal of nuance because I don't believe that it was intended to replace the Sabbath. I believe that it was intended to be this celebration of our new beginning, our our new life. Um, uh, I don't I don't see why uh, we would conclude that it was a replacement of the Sabbath unless that was expressly stated over and over in Scripture that this is now the new Sabbath. What we do here in the Scripture is that Jesus is our Sabbath rest, mm-hmm. and so. So we have that. But in verse one, we have the first day of the week, which in the book of Acts, in first Corinthians and in Revelation one, we're going to see that that first day of the week was the day they celebrated. The churches would, they would celebrate and they would rejoice in a risen savior. Pretty powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, At early dawn, they came uh, to the tomb, bringing the spices. And you've, you've discussed that in, in good detail there. Uh, Verse two, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Now there's a lot of, uh, conjecture on how this whole thing played out. One, quite like, quite like Jesus's birth, where many many see uh, this this um, this place where the animals were kept, and Jesus was born in a manger. It was actually it's actually understood to be a cave mm. in the side of a hill, mm-hmm. and so Jesus is born in a cave in the side of the hill, and then Jesus is laid to rest. He is buried in a cave tomb in the side of a hill, and then when it comes to that stone, uh, that big wheel like stone that we all remember from kids' church or or you know from all of those Easter displays that we've seen, um, that stone was not just rolled there willy-nilly. There was often in these tombs, there was a channel that was dug out and that was, that was kind of uh, paved with little stones so that that stone could be rolled into place. 
the reason why I'm explaining all that is because the seal was the important thing on the tomb. It wasn't the weight of the stone. It wasn't, I mean, sure, that's true. That I mean, this, this probably couldn't be moved by any normal man, right. uh, maybe an entourage, but, but not by any, any one man. But if a, so here's just the, the logic of this. If a batch of Roman soldiers can move a stone into place, a batch of Jesus's disciples and men could remove the stone from its place. So we got to think logically about this. But the seal was the really important piece here. And if it was broke again, they die. So they were protecting this tomb. Mm-hmm. And this tomb uh, was found open <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because something else is at work here. And that would be God. It's so, it, 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 that's such important, important detail. It's so funny. In Mark 16, tell that, yeah, as you said, now these, these women were not going to, going to open this uh, Mark 16, three says that they discussed what, what they were going to do because they were going to have to open the the tomb to get mm-hmm. in to put the spices on this body. They they were discussing what they would do with the heavy stone, how they were going to do that. So, but but you're right. The seal on the grave that was placed there by the Roman government. Now, let's just play this out for a second. This was placed by the Roman government. It would have required, according to Roman law a deputation from the governor's office to actually investigate if someone finds the seal broken. Mm -hmm. So, and the other thing that would have had to happen, the military authorities would have had to thoroughly investigate this fantastic lie of the guard concerning what happened while they were asleep. So all this was, this would have been something that would have, there, there should have been, a group of people there already from Rome, from the Roman government and from the Roman military saying, we want, we've got to know what's happened here right now. Yes. Who moved the stone? Who broke the seal? And what's happened with this yep. body? But there was none of that. Absolutely. So verse 4, while they were perplexed about this, what were they perplexed <laughs> about? They entered. They didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. Yep. While they're perplexed about this, and rightly so, uh, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing. Now, this, this is interesting because way back in the book of Genesis, we have these two men that are on their way to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, and they and they encounter Abraham and Sarah. This is when the promise is made to to Sarah, and she kind of she laughs about having a child in her old age and all this stuff. But the idea here is that these two men would have been understood by anybody in this culture to be angelic. Something mm-hmm. is happening here that is supernatural, uh, if you will. So two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing, and as the women uh, and as the women were terrified and bowed their faces. Notice this happens every time an yes. angel shows up. Everybody is scared to death. I, I, I love to stress this, but you do not want to meet an angel yeah. <laughs> uh, unless you're wearing Depends or something like that because you are not going to just sit there and go, wow, look, a cool angel. It's not going to happen. So, so they're terrified. They bow their faces to the ground, and the men said to them, why do you seek the living one among the dead? That living one, of course, being Jesus Christ, and why would they seek him among the dead? Now, you, you have to imagine that these women would go, um, 
did you miss the crucifixion? Did you, you know, what part of the story have you not been a part of here? But it is amazing because the declaration here is that Jesus is the living one, not the crucified one. Yes. Yeah. Powerful. It, it the, the whole thing, it isn't any wonder why Luke in, 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 in the retelling of this story is, is saying that they were perplexed about why the body wasn't there. And there's, he's got these two angels saying, why are you seeking this, the living one among the dead? It, it, they, it isn't any wonder they would be perplexed and scared to death. By, by the way, I noticed that the, at this point, the angel doesn't say fear or not. That's the only time I can find where they don't <laughs> yes. say, don't be afraid. That's but, very good. But here is the, here's the, to me, here was such a notable, interesting piece of this. Now, this actual actual resurrection, we don't see anything that describes how that all happened. There's no detail that the Scripture gives us about that. But, but the results of it are in pretty graphic detail. So, so they, they, we, we see that the, that the tomb was, or that the stone was rolled away from the tomb. The seal had been broken. And many, many scholars believe, and this was, this was amazing to me because I didn't, I didn't think about this. They said the fact that this lack of spectacular detail as it relates to the, to the uh, uh, re- re- resurrection lends credibility to the historicity or the historical documentation of this, of this event, of these women finding this thing, this tomb, empty, and, which, and, and many, many, like I believe it is uh, I, uh, Josh McDowell, maybe, or the guy that, the, the case for Christ, and the, the guy that's, Strobel that's uh, or something. yeah, Strobel, had used this as part of his, his understanding to show the credibility of the story that was told about this, and the fact that, that, that no one on the side of Christ tried to uh, make this spectacular. It's just an event that ha- that happened, and there are so many people that witnessed this that should have been involved. Even the Sanhedrin. Now think about this: the Sanhedrin would have sent somebody immediately to say, mm-hmm. "What's going on here? What's going on?" This was not in their best interest to find this tomb empty. No, definitely not. Definitely not. So uh, it, it's amazing this response of the angel when he when when they're talking about why would you look for the living one among the dead? Back in Luke twenty, in the podcast, we talked about this story of marriage and 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 given in marriage in heaven, and Jesus was Jesus was specifically targeting the Sadducees' faulty belief that there was no resurrection. He, he was challenging them, right? And he says in that account, he says that the dead, but that the dead are raised. He's stressing the point of the dead being raised. He said, even Moses showed in the passage about the burning bush, where he calls the Lord, the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And then Jesus says these, this line in verse 38 of chapter 20, he says, now he is not the God of the dead, but of the living for all live to him. Now it's an interesting phrase there, all live to him. But these angels are asking, the question, they're, or, or, or it, they're posing this in a question form, but saying, why do you look for the living one among the dead? 
if the patriarchs are not even dead, mm. if if they are, if if God is the God of Isaac, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, if, if they are living, why would you expect the Son of God to be among the dead either? So. There's not just a, a, a curious question here about uh, resurrection and people saying, Jesus, dead people stay dead. I know that there's a temptation to believe that, but there is a, there is a clear divide between the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Pharisees did believe that the dead would raise. They believed in a specific resurrection, but they believed that the dead would raise. When we remember the story of Mary and Martha and Lazarus dying, uh, it, it is Martha who says, well, of course the dead will raise on that day. There, there's a specific thing that is in their mind. Jesus has been teaching over and over that they are alive as they live to him. Okay, and so if again, if the patriarchs are alive back in Luke twenty, uh, because Moses believes them to be, then why in the world would you seek the living one, the one who makes life possible? Why would you seek him among the dead? I mean, maybe a, a quick way of looking at that is, you know, graveyards are for dead people. Why are you here? Mm-hmm, you know? mm-hmm. <laughs> what What are you thinking here? So just yeah, interesting. It, it is. It's very, uh, you know. Here to me, this is they they ask them a, a very logical question in their mind, yes. right? In it a was human a logical sense, question. Logical. Yes. And and they didn't they didn't say don't fear, but the but the angels seemed it, they seemed almost surprised that after after the angels had heard that think about this uh, the uh, the angels had obviously knew what was going on here that that Jesus is going to rise again and they knew he had done that and they and and they had also would have probably had an idea that these women would have known that at some point so naturally they wonder why were they surprised why are you why are you here yes well I, I so it's a logical question if you think about the fact that these women are they're they are totally perplexed now here's the other thing that really is very interesting to me. They they didn't expect to find an empty tomb. Now think about that. Jesus had said he's he he is going to die and he's going to rise, uh, rise again on the third day. He had said that at this point so many times, but they didn't expect this wasn't this wasn't even in their mind. It wasn't even a wishful thinking. They they were they weren't even expecting this to happen. Mm-hmm. It's 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 just it it's just a an amazing piece that shows so many people, and we're going to see how this all plays out, but so many people, while they heard and were present when Jesus said what was going to happen, they truly did not comprehend what he was saying. Absolutely. I I love where you're going with this because the answer to the question, uh, the, the answer that the angels present is, Jesus's own words. They they tell these women what Jesus had told them many times. But if we remember from those accounts in the gospel, it says, and they didn't understand what he was saying and they didn't understand these words. So in verse six, it says, he's not here. He has risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee. Now I love that because right now the only people that are present are these women. 
And he, he puts them directly in the place of when Jesus is teaching over and over. He says, remember, he spoke to you while he was in Galilee. He spoke to you while he was in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. And look at what verse 8 says, and they remembered his words. Yes. It's right then that they go, he Oh, wow. He did tell us this. Yes. They had no file folder for what that meant. Jesus always meant resurrection. And now that it's there, they're thinking, he meant resurrection. Mm -hmm. He meant this the entire time. So they remembered his words and returned from the tomb and reported all these things to the 11 and to all the rest. So you have this just giant entourage of people who are really beside themselves that Jesus seems to, uh, to have died, that, that it's over, their story is over. And so they go back and they run and they just tell everybody. Now they were, uh, uh, now they were Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James. Also the other women with them were telling these things to the <laughs> apostles. It's verse 10 that we finally discover who the they were in the beginning of this chapter. But here's the detailed list of who goes back and they just start telling this story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's just interesting to me. It's, this is the first note of, of, of hope that these, that these women have had. Now they're like, oh, yes. He did say that. He did. So they, that they remembered Jesus' words. The, the empty tomb, the presence of the angels, the words of the angels. and I couldn't That didn't change anything for them no. until they remembered what Jesus had said. And that's the most important thing, that if we don't catch that piece of it, if we don't catch what he said, there's a lot of... Here's, here's what comes to my mind, and it's... It, it's it's not it's not going to be the miracles or the signs and the wonders and all the things that make that wow you if we don't rest and and put our trust and hope in what Jesus has said is going to happen everything else yeah. is just I don't want to say a sideshow, but I don't have another word for right, it. Right, right, absolutely. Uh, it, what what is really intriguing about this is that that seems to be a point that Luke wants to make two times in a row. And we're mm -hmm. going to get to this in the podcast tomorrow. But when he goes to the road to Emmaus discussion, remember, these, these people are walking on the road to Emmaus, and they have no idea what went wrong in the grand story. And they're mourning, and they're really lamenting the situation. And yet, it is when Jesus breaks bread with them that all of a sudden they their minds are drawn back by a memory to what he did with them and breaking bread with them. And then they remember this is Jesus and everything he spoke to us was, was bringing us to life on the road to Emmaus. So uh, remembering the words of God is uh, there. That's really important yes. in our continued faith. Now, I absolutely love verse 11 because this is exact, <laughs> no matter what we think, I love when people say it would have been easier, I would have had greater faith if I could have walked with Jesus. And my response is, you have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, because here's what you would have believed just like they did. 
So all these women come running back and they're telling the things to the apostles. Verse 11 says, but these words appeared to them as nonsense and they would not believe them. That's exactly how you and I would be if we would, we would have been grieving. We would have been mourning. We would have been going, where did our hero go? Why have we lost this battle? What is, why did we believe such a thing? And then all of a sudden they come back and say, he's risen. He's not in his tomb. And we're like, you're an idiot. Yeah. You need to sit down. We have yeah. this is nonsense. You are rambling on. Why is it that we're even entertaining this discussion? That is what our faith would have it really looked like. Completely, I completely agree. And it is the remembering the words of Jesus changed these women's hearts to the point that they absolutely they were like once again joy was there it was it changed their 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 whole outlook on this thing and these guys it would not believe it says they would not believe them yes just wouldn't believe it we're not going to do it <laughs> now uh meanwhile as they're not believing them but peter and yes. <laughs> It just makes me so happy. But Peter got up and the dude just takes off. (laughs) Right? Was this Forrest Gump here? He just, he's running, right? So, but Peter got up and he ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen wrappings only and he went away to his home, marveling at what had happened. Mm. Now, I love to play a little bit with these with these stories because I wonder what's happening. First of all, it would appear they all ran back to one location where where the the group was. And remember who the group is. It's the 11 and the others, mm-hmm. okay? And this group of women come back and they tell this story. But Peter gets up, runs to the tomb, he proves he he witnesses what they have told him. And then I, I'm just reading this funny because it's fun to do so. Peter doesn't even return. He just goes home and he's marveling. Yeah. At home. <laughs> That's the way it reads, but it's funny. They may have been meeting at Peter's home at this point, but what is funny is that Peter just goes home like, what in the world yeah. has just happened? Yeah. I love that story. It's just, it's fascinating. <laughs> and to these me. women had to be wondering the same thing. They've just saw the evidence that Christ has risen from the grave. They remembered his words that he had said. They were ex- excited about see- what seems would have been the most, the, the most wonderful po- possible news that <laughs> Jesus was alive. He triumphed over death. And Peter was just like, wow, huh. I'm going home. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. Well, that's it for today, guys. And if you would, please like and share this podcast with your friends. And finally, remember 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work.